This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Welcome to LifeWords Q&A. This is uh, our 20-minute session where we uh, get counselling from David, ask him the big questions and uh, end up a little bit wiser, a little bit more informed about our faith and how to relate it to the real world. David, welcome to LifeWords. Thanks, Andrew. We've got three questions yet again uh, submitted by you, uh, the listener. If you would like to email David a a curly one, you can email him lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our first question is, I really don't believe we can argue someone into the Christian faith. Isn't loving them the only way to do it, David? Uh, Well, actually, there's a bit of a, a... Um, a, a sort of a substance to that question that I don't quite agree with. Um, the, yeah, you, look, look, you can't argue someone into the Christian faith. Uh, a sheer force of reason won't do it. But I, I, I have a problem if the questioner is saying, well, therefore, don't worry about reason, don't worry about explaining your faith, uh, just simply love people. I don't actually think that's quite the answer either. So, look... Sheer force of reason won't ever argue someone of the Christian faith. You you can argue till you're blue in the face about the validity of the Christian faith. Jesus really did rise from the dead. Jesus really did do what he did and so on and so on. But sheer reason will not do it because becoming a Christian involves an act of the will. Um, but the Bible still says we're to have a reason for the hope that's within us. We are to have a reason for our faith and be able to express it. So I'd hate to think that the questioner is thinking, well, since I can't argue someone into the Christian faith, I, I shouldn't ever have to develop arguments as to why I hold the faith. No, I think you should jolly well be able to explain your faith to someone and to try by good reasoning and argument to show them that Christian faith is something worth believing in. But having done that, that's all you can do in, in, in a way. Um, you can't actually force them to become a Christian because of your arguments. And then you go on to that other aspect of isn't loving them the way to do it. Well, yes, yes, yes. You, you know, but even if you present arguments and reasons, you should do it in the context of love for people. Um, um, so what I'm saying is this. Just doing loving things is not enough because lots of people do loving things. Um, but loving things need to point people to Jesus. And so in, in that case, I think words need to come in somewhere. Reason, argument and logic and that come in somewhere. Um, but they're not, they're not the full story. I, I, I think one writer I read many years ago, I forget who, who it was, but he, talking about evangelism, was talking about um, um, songs. He said songs composed of words and music. And uh, he was saying that with evangelism, that, that, that we, we speak words, but those words happen in the context of music. And he was saying we need to speak words to give a reason for our faith uh, and so on. But those words are in the context of music and the music he, he portrayed as love, uh, our care for other people uh, and so on and so on. So, so love is primary. I, 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 think, I think I agree with the questioner there if they're saying that love is primary. Without love, all your argumentation and all your reason falls flat. But at the same time, just simply loving people is not the full story because the Bible says there is a reason for our faith and there is a a place for words in the faith, just as in a song. There's a place for the music and there's a place for the words. So uh, sometimes I would see, David, that uh, we can get quite anxious having this sort of burden that we need to share the gospel with someone. We need to evangelize them. Um, otherwise, they'll be doomed kind of thing. But do you think that we're often 
being that being either feeling that we need to uh, you know do that great commission and, and that kind of thing or out of anxiety or guilt do you think we probably put too much pressure on ourselves and just sort of like lessen the fact that well actually God can do some amazing things yes yes oh look I think I think we do put pressure on ourselves I possibly went through a phase very early on in Christian living where where I felt that sort of pressure from people round about be saying who have you spoken to about Jesus today I I haven't I haven't felt like that for many years though <laughs> maybe that's because I'm slack but I suspect no I've become a little bit wiser I think in in trusting God's spirit God's spirit has to go before us in all our efforts in our good works of love and in our words of reason. And I think if we start having pressure on ourselves, who can I talk to about Jesus? Um, Who can I convert today or someone? I think that is illegitimate pressure. I think the best thing to do is to say to Lord every day, Lord, I, I, I want you to show me the open doors through which I can walk in terms of my conversation and in terms of my good deeds. Because without the Holy Spirit's work of grace in people's lives, all our loving, all our reasoning uh, is utterly futile. So the best thing to do is to commit each day to the Lord saying, Lord, you know, uh, arrange divine appointments for me uh, today and to use those to do works of love, to speak words of truth. But if there is that fairly oppressive pressure that you described on ourselves I think that distorts things what we tend to do then is get to get pushy and aggressive as though I've got to achieve these targets and I think that's pretty foreign to biblical evangelism you're listening to Life Words Q&A. Thanks, David. We're moving on to our second question. You can subscribe to uh, Life Words Q&A through iTunes. Just uh, go for a search and search Life Words Q&A, Hope Media. You'll find it and you can subscribe and get it each week in your iTunes account. Otherwise, visit the website, hope1032.com.au. David, our second question is, do you think it's harder to be a Christian today than in previous times? I think you need to be a real student of history to answer that. Um, and honestly, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know what it was like to be a Christian in the 12th century or the 3rd century or the uh, 18th century and so on. Um, you see, it's just like those who claim we're living in an age when Jesus is sure to return because things are so bad. But hang on, um, are they any worse than they were during the Black Death or during World War One or whatever? You know, it, it, we need to have a broader view of history. I think what might be behind this question is, oh dear me, it's never been harder to be a Christian now, um, and surely it's, it's it's never been harder than than it is now. Well, well, as I say, I think we've got to be cautious. But we can say a few things. Um, the church is certainly more marginalised than it was, say, I don't know, a hundred years ago. We don't have the privileged position anymore in my lifetime. Uh, certainly the place of church in society has changed. Um, in the past, non-churchgoers still more or less respected us. Um, now uh, there's less of that. Um, there's also more multicultural factors at play. More religions are around the place. Um, and so, yes, we are more marginalised. So in that respect, yes, it may create difficulties, but just a little note of caution there, because we, I think, are becoming more and more like the early church. The early church was marginalised. It had no political or material power. It, it was misunderstood and persecuted. But hey, guess what? It changed the world. It turned the world upside mm. down through the power of the Holy Spirit. And my understanding of church history is that it started to lose its power when it became powerful in the political sense. I, I think what we're going through, David, is that uh, we're in a time where 
where we're, where we're living through a, 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 a where the Christian culture is being removed from yes. the mainstream society and mainstream culture, and we're we're going through some pains of that, aren't we? We're, we're seeing something that we treasure that we love being drawn and withdrawn from what we know as our Western culture. That's right. I think I think things have been, as it were, stripped down to its 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 sheer core. I mean, years and years ago, people would speak about Christian values, Christian this, Christian that, and sometimes they weren't necessarily Christian values; they were just simply conservative political values. Um, but but now, I think we've got to rely more and more on the Holy Spirit and not on our privileged position in society because we have got haven't got that privileged position. And and where there was, yes, as you say, a, a, a readier sort of acceptance of Christian themes and Christian values in the past, uh, that didn't necessarily mean that more people were Christians. Uh, it was just that they were probably a little bit more sympathetic to us. But many of us know from our church experience that the hardest people to reach for the gospel are people who think they're Christians and who are regular churchgoers but have no relationship with God. So I think... To go back to that question, I think, yes, it is hard to be a Christian today, but because of this marginalising, because we are more misunderstood, because there is more overt hostility. But is it harder than, say, uh, it was in earlier days? And and, and when you go back, when you, a little bit of an understanding of church history can, can say to you, well, the church was powerful at certain times in society. 16th century Spain, for example, the church was very powerful, but... That was the times of the Inquisition. Um, wouldn't that make it hard to be a true follower of Jesus if all the church was doing was burning people at the stake? And 18th century France, when the church was very much entrenched in the power regimes of society, um, um, was it easy to be a follower of Jesus when there was so much corruption in that particular so-called Christian environment? So, so look... I'd say, in answer to it, it might be hard, and in some case harder than, say, it was 50 years ago, but I think 50 years ago, perhaps, we were battling apathy, but here, perhaps, we're battling hostility, Um, and I still wouldn't want to even overplay what we've already mentioned, that there's hostility towards the church now. There's still a lot of goodwill uh, towards Christianity when it is practiced with grace and love. A lot of the hostility being expressed towards Christians today is because as expressed at our our residual political and economic power, as it were, the church feels as though it should control things. The church wants to run things. Well, I don't think that's actually true, but that's the perception that people have. But I think when individual Christians practice their faith with grace and love, I think there's still a lot of goodwill towards it. And, 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 And I think basically, yes, it's hard to be a Christian, but bottom line is Jesus said many thousands of years ago it's going to be hard to be my follower and I think it's hard whether you're living today or whether you're living 100 years ago 300 years ago Jesus said it would always be hard because whenever you are following the light of the world darkness will always attack you but the attack of that darkness the form or the shape of that darkness uh, will vary. And sometimes it takes the shape of a corrupt political environment with the church, as it were, entangled in it. Other times it takes the form of persecution in the mass media and so on. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Hope you're enjoying uh, your session with David Ray today. You can email David a question if uh, that's just triggered another thought. Uh, David responds to your emails and uh, we'll use them um, as a question here on LifeWords Q&A. The email address, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our final question, David, 
is uh, I can recall you saying once in these episodes that there's much mystery and uncertainty in the Christian faith. Doesn't this mean God's not making himself clear and that it's his fault? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question, and thank you for remembering something that I said some time ago. <laughs> um, I, I agree that there is mystery and uncertainty in the Christian faith. Um, but yes, I take the opportunity to say, hey, I wouldn't want to, um, I wouldn't want to overemphasize it. Um, there, there's so much that's clear. We have enough clarity to sincerely believe. Who was Spurgeon or Moody? Or one of the old biblical people said, uh, Christian people said of the Bible that it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand are the problem. It's the parts I do understand. And so I think there's plenty that we can understand. It's enough to challenge us there. And I certainly don't think God's somehow incapable of making himself clear. I don't think God is somehow blundering, uh, and, and uh, or, or that if only we had enough brain power, we'd be able to solve all the mystery and the uncertainty. I don't think that's true at all. I think rather that we're dealing with an utterly holy and distinct God. And I would put it to people that if you figure, if you feel that you've figured God out, you've grasped Him, you've comprehensively understood Him. I think you've got a problem because I think that's God is probably a God of your own reasoning and imagination. So I, what I want to say is I don't think we can expect God to become crystal clear to us in every detail because God's God and we're not who we are. We, can, we, we certainly should work hard at understanding as much about God as we can. That, 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 obvi- that I hope is obvious. But having done all that, we still have to come to the edge and the brink of saying there is still mystery and still uncertainty simply because our minds are finite and we can't do everything, we can't understand everything. And number two, the very nature of God himself, as it were, involves mystery because we can't know everything there is to know about God. Now, some people would say, but, well, hang on, hasn't God made himself known in the Bible? Well, yes, he has, um, but he chose to make himself known in the Bible in a certain era and place and culture. And so when we come to, as I I think I've said in episodes here previously, that the Bible is not always clear, and we can't always be certain of what the Bible is saying, uh, that's because God has revealed himself through the Bible in a particular era and age and culture. Uh, so we can't quite figure out exactly what Paul was saying about the, with the Corinthians and exactly what um, John was saying in the book of Revelation because these guys were writing in a particular era and a particular culture that's rather foreign to us. So... So when we, when even when we do say, as I would say, God has has revealed Himself in the Bible, it is most certainly not to say that He has revealed Himself exhaustively, that we know absolutely everything about Him, and there's no ambiguities and no mysteries. But I want to come back to the point that He's revealed Himself supremely in Jesus, and even though, yes, there's some bits of Jesus' teaching and practice that we're not quite entirely sure of, there's enough that we can be clear of so that we have sufficient understanding of God to be able to respond to him, to the challenges that he um, confronts us with and the comfort he offers us. Um, so, So there's enough clarity I believe, in the Scriptures uh, for us to be able to confidently walk forward in the Christian faith. But it's never, ever going to comprehensively uh, explain God to us uh, simply because, number one, God is is utterly other. He's holy, number one. And number two, he's revealed himself in the scriptures within a particular cultural and social um, situation that is uh, some steps removed from us. And so, therefore, we're always going to have to wrestle with that. Okay. 
So I'm going to put you on the spot here, David, and I'm going to say, well, look, yes, so there's a lot of uh, shades of grey and mystery in the Bible. If you were to summarise in one, let's give you two sentences, the key, <laughs> the key thing that you would want someone to know. So, yep, mystery, but this is the key message that you need to know from the Bible that's true today, that it was yesterday, and despite the mysteries and the cultural differences that we find in the Bible, this is the message. Uh, message would be, uh, at the risk of oversimplification, yes, uh, God is a personal God who loves you very much and wants you to uh, wants to invite you into relationship with him and invite you to put your trust in his mercy and grace so that you can enjoy relationship with him. That leaves out a whole lot of stuff, but to me, that is the bottom line. Yep. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. I'm Andrew Morris. We'll join you next week. In the meantime, revisit old episodes at hope1032.com.au or subscribe at iTunes and uh, indulge your earbuds or your ears uh, to some amazing audio at iTunes. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.